spend this morning with us, but more importantly, that you decided to come spend time with God, right? Um, thanks to the praise and worship team as they have set a very nice stage for what we're going to be talking about today without even knowing it. And um, we're grateful for you all for what you do as much as you guys sacrifice by coming in for practice and everything. So thank you so very much. As you can see, Pastor Jeff and Debbie are not here again. They are continuing to be in uh, Georgia with their son Brandon as he recovers from his surgery. They'll be making their way back home this week. So please continue to pray for Brandon's quick recovery from his surgery and as they travel for traveling mercies and refreshment as they travel back to us from Georgia. I want to take a minute and thank everybody who attended praise and prayer this week. We had one of the biggest praise and prayer services that I ever remember. All right, so thank you for showing up and starting the new year the right way. Um, it, it's powerful when people come together in the name of Jesus, and that's what we were able to do last Monday night. But uh, remember, you've got that opportunity every Wednesday now as well from 9 to 9.30 here at the church. The doors are open, and uh, the pastors are praying, and you're welcome to be here as well. Um, as we're singing today, you know, God just always pricks things at me. Last year, it was treasures and prizes, and we talked about Happy Meals. We're going to do that this week. Um, but this song, Graves to Gardens, right? We think about graves, we think about death, right? Well, throughout my life, and as shorter as long as it may feel, on depending on what day it is, right? I've had experience with gardens. For me, a garden is something my wife takes care of and I don't worry about, all right? If it's in the way and I'm mowing, I'm going to mow right over it, okay? I don't attend to gardens very, very well. But when I was like 12 or 13 years old, my grandfather, who was a dentist, had gardens. He lived over on North Madison Street, and his whole backyard wasn't peppers and tomatoes. It was flower gardens. He had flowers everywhere. So one summer, my dad said, you know what? You need a job. You should go work for Grandpa. You should go tend to his gardens. Guess what? I figured out what I didn't like really, really quickly. Me and gardens don't work. But the thing that I noticed, and I've noticed it there and then throughout, you know, my travels. When I was in the military, I was able to travel all over the world. Um, in Singapore, in Japan, in Hong Kong, they've got beautiful gardens. And when we look at these gardens, right, th these two things, we talk about graves and we talk about gardens in this song. We're talking about death and we're talking about life. There's no way a garden can be beautiful without life in it, right? But when you see just one, these flowers that, how knows how God ever created them, right? They're absolutely amazing. And the scent that they put off, it brings so much life to us. So as we think about, you know, whatever season we're in, if we're in that morning season because something's going on, or that life season, which we should be in every day, let just the picture of a flower or the picture of a garden or the scent of a flower just bring life to you. Because that, that's what it's designed to do. So as we've moved into this new year, before the new year even got here, you know, I, we're always getting bombarded with news and stuff. And I'll put stuff aside here and there if I think that there's a possibility I can use it. But I received an article like the week before the new year. And I, I want to share just a little bit about it before I even jump into the message today. But this article was um, right before the new year and it was quite interesting, I found. And um, I'm only going to take a couple minutes. But it was published by the Version Bible. How many people use the Version Bible on their phone or their tablet 
or whatever it may be. If it's something you don't use because you're not technologically, you know, comfortable with it, that's totally fine. If you're not using it and, you're, and you are good with technology, I would highly recommend you download it, all right? The Use Version Bible is a Bible that you can have on your phone. It's done by Greg Garchelle and Life Church. It's totally one of the best resources, honestly, that I have my fingers on every single day. Um, but this article was all on what the most bookmarked, highlighted, and shared verse of the year was. They have enough, somebody smart enough to figure this out, right? But they figure this out in an app that's already been downloaded 545 million times. That's how many people have the ability to have the Bible at their fingertips at any time. 545 million times has the app been downloaded. More important than that, it's downloaded in 1,900 different translations. So people all over the world have the ability to have God's word right at the tip of their fingers. And believe me, yes, there are countries and there are villages and stuff that don't have technology, but there's places where you would never think that people have phones. They have phones, but they don't have other things that we take for granted every single day. So they have the ability to have the Bible right at their fingertips. But what I found interesting is the verse that was shared, bookmarked, and highlighted the most in 2022 is Isaiah 41.10. And I want you, as you read it, to, to think about, was this relevant and applicable in my life this year? So do not fear. Hmm. <laughs> Where should we start, right? How many people had fear in their lives this year, right? For I am with you. Do not dismay, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. This was seen all over the world. And not was it just seen. People were looking for it. So what does that say that we're searching for? We're some, searching for something that's bigger than us. Right? And people are searching for God. People want to put their confidence in something that they can't explain so that it can be taken care of. With everything that's gone on over the past couple of years, if it be COVID, elections, isolation, there's plenty of fear out there and unsure, people being unsure. People are looking for something to put their trust and confidence in, and there's only one thing, and that's Jesus. People are looking for a hope, and people are gaining relief from knowing that their strength doesn't have to come from themselves, that they can turn to God when they're tired. You know, Matthew 28 says, Come to me, all who are heavy laden and burdened, and I will give you rest. How many of us have gone through the day and just said, you know what? I just need a little bit of rest. But really, it's not putting our head on a pillow. It's turning to God for his comfort. We can do it anywhere we are. And that's what we need to remember. Jesus will uplift us. He will be with us. He will strengthen us. And he will never leave us because he's in us. What comfort does that bring to our ordinary lives? Now think about this scripture, right? We see this up here. Think about what this scripture meant to the people of the Ukraine. Because in the Ukraine this year, from where the Version Bible was downloaded last year, there was a 55% increase in downloads this year. Some of the most searched topics in the Ukraine this year 
were war, peace, and like four months into the war, love. The only place we're going to find those things is in the Bible and from God. And that's what they were searching for when their lives were on the line and they didn't know what was going to happen. And they still don't today. People are still searching. So as we go into this week of prayer and fasting, I'm going to ask you to pray for a piece of technology. I'm going to ask you to pray for the Universal Bible as you're at it because you know what? This has the ability to have more influence than any single one of us. But we can help put, put it in people's hands by talking about it, sharing it with others, and most importantly, praying about it that it gets to where it's got to go. So let us pray. Dear Lord, I just thank you for this morning, Lord. I thank you for each person who is here and each person who is at home, Lord, and for the people who will see this after it's even done, Lord. Lord, I ask that as I speak and, and share the message that you, you've told me to share today, Lord, that one, I be obedient to you, Lord. Lord, that I be your mouthpiece, that your spirit flow out of me, Lord. And Lord, that I speak clear and concise, Lord, and that people can take away what they are supposed to take away because you've guided them to do it, Lord. And we'll be sure to give you all the praise and the honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week I taught, and um, I've, this is only the second time ever I've taught two weeks in a row. And it's no easy feat at all. I don't know how he does it every single week. Um, but God, God puts grace on us to be able to do this. But it's a whole lot of preparation. And inside of that preparation, there's a whole lot of battle that goes on. Battle inside of us, battle everywhere else. But last week I taught about us doing a search or examining ourselves. And that came from Psalms 139, verses 23 and 24. So for those who were here, I'm going to do a quick recap. For those who weren't here, I'm just going to give a quick overview. And I'd highly recommend that if it's something that you want to know more about, that you go to our YouTube page and you, you listen to it or see it, because um, I cannot go into the depth that I went in last week about this scripture. So Psalms 139 reads as this. It says, Search me, O God. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. David was essentially asking God to do a thorough search of his heart and his mind, asking him to reveal anything that may be offensive towards God. We were reminded last week that God has the ability to shine light into our darkness. He has the ability to reveal things that are covered up that we're not able to see ourselves. Because he is in the light, that helps us make changes to our life that will help us stay on the path of everlasting that God is leading us down. So also we learned last week that it's not safe to follow our hearts because our hearts are deceitful. And our hearts often help us focus on ourselves when God's desire for us is to focus on others. And we also talked about that it was going to take courage to pray this prayer. It's going to take courage to do a deep search or an examination of ourselves, to know our hearts and our minds, to do a thorough search of what our anxious thoughts and our worries are. So my question is, is if you did this this week, how did it go? Because for me, God put me right in my place. Last week, I talked about how we're supposed to trust God with our children because he gave us our children, and if he loves them, how, or if he gave them to us, how much more does he love them than we love them, right? So what do you think happened? 
I've got a daughter who's going to be 16 in a couple of months. Right? And she's got friends who are going to be 16. So she said, Dad, I got a friend. They just got their license. They want to go out to Chipotle. <laughs> I said, there's no way you're getting in that car. <laughs> and then God said, do you trust me? I gave her to you. And that's all it took. Are you practicing what you preach? And I had to, I had to humble myself. I said, you know what, God, you're right. I don't want to do this at all. <laughs> you got your tracker on your phone? <laughs> and I, we trusted him. And you know what? She's fine. She's good. When she's driving with me, is she any safer, really? <laughs> Mark Shaker said, nope. <laughs> I'm not an excellent driver either, right? But it was just the fact that this was a new driver, just had their license for a, a month or two. I was like, not comfy. But God really, through something so simple, the bigger thing is, it's not about the driving. He said, do you trust me? If I can't trust him with my children, then what else can I not trust him with? Right? He gave them to me. How much more does he love them? So yeah, I was put in my place this week. And, uh, you know, I hope when you were praying this prayer, if you did, that God was a lot nicer to you than he was to me. <laughs> but yet that he revealed something to you through it. And if he didn't, the bigger question is, is how long are you willing to pray this prayer until he does? Right? Inside of this church, there have been prayers that have been lifted up for years. Years and years and years before we saw anything, any progress with them or anything. You know, my own children prayed for a gentleman in this church for three years before he finally got his kidney transplant. Every single night they'd pray for him. Persistence, per per perseverance, courage, strength. It's easy to give up on a prayer. But if we want a thorough search of our lives to get what's, what's bad out and get God in, then it's going to take praying this daily, hourly, sometimes even minutely to be able to get us through it. So that's what I shared a little bit last week. So as we move into our 21 days of fasting, which begins tomorrow— I wanted to share some things, some information to set the stage. Um, here at RLC, we've got people who've been praying and fasting for decades, and we've got some people who are going to be praying and fasting for the very first time. All right? Honestly, until probably four or five years ago, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I was just doing it because I was told to do it, and I didn't really get the power that I could get from it because I didn't understand it. So my goal today is to give you a better understanding and to, to lead you some things, to have you ask some questions to yourself so that you want to know more about this and that you're going to go search the scriptures and see how it, what it has for you and how you can implement it in your lives. So some of the topics we're going to talk about today is what is fasting and prayer? Why do we do it? When should we do it? What are the benefits of it? And how, do we, how, how are we to go about it? All right? So, what is praying and fasting? All right? Most of the time when we hear, hear this, we hear the word fasting, we think about blood work, right? We got we to gotta fast for 12 hours before we go to the, the place. None of us can eat. We're all not happy in the morning. And we're like, stick our arm out, suck the blood, let me go. And as soon as we leave, we go find something to eat, right? But there's also another thing that's come up with fasting lately. There's a dieting trend called intermediate fasting where people are fasting throughout the day to lose weight. 
So it's not a word that we use all that often, but it is something that's very used in the Bible, right? There's, there's over 70 different references to fasting inside the Bible, and we're going to go through some of them today. Um, people like Bible heroes like Moses, David, Esther, and more importantly, Jesus, practiced prayer and fasting during different situations in their lives. The word fast comes from the Hebrew word zoom, T-S-O-O-M, which means to cover the mouth, which means you can put nothing in, right? Or I can just split it and put something in. But the modern biblical translation means to voluntarily reduce or eliminate intake of food for a specific time or purpose. All right? I believe the last two words here are key. We fast for a specific time and for a specific purpose. There are going to be people here who, because of their jobs, because of their health, for many different reasons, they can't fast food. And honestly, for some of us, food isn't the thing that's going to draw us closer to God. I might have to get rid of my social media to get closer to God. There's going to be something in your life that you're going to be able to take away to make room. Right? Back in the Bible, the thing that, I mean, there was no phones floating around Jesus' day. He wasn't texting his buddies, like, hey, disciples, let's go. All right? It wasn't a big bother to him. All right? But, so they, they put food aside. You have to figure out, and hopefully you've prayed this, this week leading up to you, what it is for you to put aside to make time for God. So we can look at Jesus as a great example right here in Luke 4, where it says, then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, Retreat, returned from the Jordan River, he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where he was tempted by the devil for 40 days. Jesus ate nothing at all that time and became very hungry. Look at This body ain't doing 40 days. God hasn't told me to do that. Right? But what things we can learn here, one, 40 days, that's that, that's that specific time. And he asked him to do it for a specific reason to get rid of the temptation so he could put focus on God. Jesus fasted to draw closer to his father and fight off the enemy's temptation. What is a fast? It's setting something aside. Like I said, it could be food. It could be dessert. It could be your phone. It could be the TV. It could be, for me, at one point, I had to set aside exercise, which sounds counterintuitive, but exercise was taking up so much of my life that it was clouding out God and it was putting him in it. In so I, he was behind it. I made it an idol. So I had to remove it so that I could fit more time for God in. We do this to create a devoted time to spend with God. We can eliminate things in our lives so we have the ability to focus on God and his ways more. Now that we have an idea what fasting and prayer is, it will also be important for us to know why we do it. We all ask questions as to why. Like, how many of us have kids? They go, why? 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 We all want to know why. There was plenty of times where I prayed and fasted. I didn't know why I was doing it, other than somebody told me to do it. Right? So to have a little bit of idea as to why we're doing it is really, really important. The primary reason for fasting in beginning, or fasting at the beginning of the new year here at RLC, is for us all to draw closer to God. Because I'm going to ask you, is there any of us who have too much of God right now? Right? None of us have too much. So we can always get more, but to get more, we've got to let go of something. 
You know, last week I talked about that scripture where it says grab a hold with two hands, right? What's this hand, what's this hand holding right now? We've got to be able to grab a hold of two hands. We've got to set things aside. Fasting allows us to set time aside for the King of Kings and Lord of Lord. Fasting does not change God's plan for us, but it sure does allow us to grow closer to him, which helps us to understand his ways and gain new perspective as to how we may have looked at a certain situation or a certain set of circumstances. We can be reminded what it says in Matthew 6.33, where it says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. I like the, what it says in the Passion Translation. Above all, first and foremost, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then, all the less important things will be given to you abundantly. So there's first, and then there's then. When we set time aside for God, we make God first. All other things will be taken care of. The primary reason we pray and fast is to put God first in our lives. And each one of us need to do that. As we start our fast this week, we are believing that the beginning of the new year, with a new beginning, you can draw closer to God. Asking him to reveal to us what is in store is a great way to lead to new beginnings. There are several great examples of prayer and fasting in the Bible, but one that I'd like to share with you is Queen Esther. Now, hopefully you're familiar with this story. Queen Esther isn't necessarily who the king thinks she is, all right? But in Esther chapter 4, it goes on to say, maybe, then Esther sent this answer to Mordecai. Mordecai, go and get all the Jews in Susa together and fast for me. Don't eat or drink for three days and nights. I and my woman's servants will fast too. After we fast, we will go to the king. I know it is against the law to go to the king if he didn't call me, but I will do it anyways. If I die, I die. That reminds me of like Rocky Five, where he goes, if he dies, he dies. Right? Esther didn't want to die. She didn't want her people to die, but they were all scheduled to die. Esther asked all the Jews to fast for reasons that many of us believe. One, for wisdom. On how to approach the king. She knew if she wasn't called to the king, that she could be put to death. So she had to seek God's wisdom on how to approach the king. All right? One of the ways, it, when you really get into the scripture, it says that she just stood in the doorway. All right? If you really think about how the, guy, how the king picked her, he kicked, picked her all on her looks. So she might have went and stood in the doorway, very well-dressed and nice-looking, and caught his attention so that he didn't have to be put to death. Right? She had to have wisdom on how to do this. All right? She also had to pray and fast for God's favor. She knew what the outcome was going to be. They had to pray that the favor of God would fall on them so that the outcome of death was not going to take place. And we can pray for favor in our lives. We can pray in favor for, for, for lots of things. The Jews were in a desperate situation, and they knew it. Another thing she had to pray and fast for was for courage. 
Because Esther knew that the lives of the Jews and her own were on the line. She knew approaching the king would be putting her life on the line, and she needed to pray and fast to fulfill the calling God had for her in her life to be a bold king or bold queen during a, such a time as this. There are many other reasons why we should pray and fast. Some of them are displayed by Queen Esther, but there are other ones throughout the Bible. Prayer and fasting can strengthen our prayers. They can put muscle behind them. We can pray and fast for guidance, just as, just as Queen Esther did. We can pray and fast to express grief. We can pray and fast for repentance and returning to God. We can pray and fast to, ex to express concern over God's work and what he's doing so that we can get a clearer picture of it. We can pray and fast for others and their needs. Pray and fast to overcome temptation and dedicate ourselves to God. To express love and worship God as well. For protection when my daughter's in a car with another 16-year-old. And to humble ourselves before the Lord, which is honestly the most important thing that comes into play. There are many reasons as to why we pray and fast, but the main reason is to humble ourselves and draw closer to God. And when we do, there's a huge benefit. James 4.8 says, when we draw near to God, he will draw near to you. We've got to do our part, and he'll sure as heck do his. But he's a respecter of space. We don't call him in. He's going to give us what we ask for. He's going to step away. But when we draw near to him, he's going to draw near to and closer to us. Drawing close to God taps us into the all-knowing, ever-present God who can supply for every single one of our needs. The, the key to doing so is our humility. Many of us don't like to ask for help, including myself. We must admit to ourselves we are sinful in nature, and cannot navigate this world on our own, and we need God's help in doing so. So when are some times that we should fast? There are many different times when we should pray and fast, but one of them, and most importantly, is when we're seeking direction from the Lord. With so many decisions that we have to make each day, we often commonly exclude God from the decision-making process. But there are benefits in including him as I said last week, he has the map. He knows the path. He works all things for good. So why wouldn't we include him? Right? Instead, some of us are in that recalculating pattern. Recalculating, recalculating. When all we got to do is get on the path and follow him turn by turn, step by step. Judges twenty twenty six says, For all the people of Israel, the whole army... We're back in Bethel, weeping, sitting there in the presence of God. That day, they fasted until evening. They sacrificed a whole burnt offering and peace offering before God. And they be again inquired of God. And the chest of the God's covenant was there at the time 
when Phineas, the son of Eliar, and the son of Aaron, as ministering priests, they asked, Shall we again march into battle against the Benjaminites, our brothers, or shall we call it quits? And God said, Attack tomorrow, and I will give you victory. When you look back at that scripture, it says that they fasted until evening. They were seeking guidance on what they should do the next day in battle. They had, today, they had gotten beaten. And they wanted to know, asking God what they should do tomorrow. And we see what it says at the end. After they prayed and fast, God said to them, attack, and tomorrow you'll get victory. So what do you think happened? Sure enough, the Israelites went into battle, and they set up an ambush. All right? When I look at this as a military guy, I got like all weird and crazy. I'm like, oh, they went here and did this, and they used great strategy and things like that. But they set them up strategically to get the Benjaminites in a place where they could defeat them. And not only did they defeat them, they took out 25,000 people that day. 25,000 people died in that battle. And not just the 25,000 people died, they wiped out the city as well. When we have God's guidance and we do what he tells us to do, he will give us victory. In this, it's a war in land and people. But when we follow his guidance, he's going to give us victory over the things he's guiding us to in our lives. If we, if it be a job that we got to make a decision about, a college decision, who we should date or who we should, who we should marry, involving God in the process can only be beneficial. I was just over in Quest, and before I got over there, somebody said, hey, so-and-so just got accepted to college. So I went over and talked to so-and-so, and so-and-so just didn't get accepted into college. So-and-so is going to Christian college where there's chapel every single day at 1 o'clock. So-and-so didn't just go, isn't just going to Christian college where there's chapel every day at 1 o'clock. So-and-so is getting $29,000 a year to go to Christian college and learn God's word. Okay? So God can do amazing things when we seek him and ask for his guidance to put us in the place we need to be to get the things we need to get when we're following his path. He sets us up perfectly. So you can pray for so-and-so, because so-and-so's got to go to Ohio to do this, but God is directing them to be there, and it's going to be a great, great place for them to be. But praise God for what he's doing in young people's lives who are seeking him to see where they belong rather than going by their feelings as to where they don't belong. All right? We can also pray and fast when we haven't received an answer to our prayers. In Daniel chapter 10, it said, Daniel fasted and prayed for revelation, in answering of his prayers, he received, when he did this, he received a vision from God. Right? And there's lots of, this, this scripture is really deep, but I didn't want to put it up there because it takes a whole lot of understanding. But Daniel was seeking revelation. He was seeking wisdom and guidance from God. And what he got is he didn't get a microwave answer. We put God in the microwave to turn the time around. We put the heat on we want, and when he pops out, we get the answer we want. That's not the way he worked. God revealed this answer to David over three years' time through four different visions and revelations. Is anybody willing to wait that long? <laughs> well, you better be. <laughs> right? How many of us know, right, is microwave popcorn as good as popcorn that you cook over the grill? Absolutely not, right? Quick and easy always doesn't mean best. 
When it comes to God, quick and easy always doesn't mean best. Sometimes we got to wait and trust and believe and wait and trust and believe and have faith and trust and believe and continue to follow and trust and believe to hear what he's got for us to hear, to go where he has for us to go and to do what he has for us to do. Daniel trusted and he received. God's timing is always better than our timing. We have to remember what it says in Matthew 7 and 8. It says, we must ask and seek. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find it. Knock and it will be open. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. When you want an answer. Guess what? I go out and we'll do ministry in the street. Nobody opens the door. God's got the ring doorbell on. He knows who's there. He's going to open up. He knows you're coming before you're even coming anyways. Ask, seek, knock. He's going to open the door. He's not going to open it just half wide. He's going to open it all the way. However, we feel the answers that we need have to come in a timely nature. And when we need, when we realize God's timing isn't the best for us, we just move on. There's some people and some reasons that we have to pray for deliverance, for a breakage of bondage, a breakage of, a, of an addiction. When we pray and fast, we are drawing closer to God. We can be confident in the words of 2 Corinthians 3.17, where it says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Lord is, there is freedom. When I invite God into my life through praying and fasting, whatever my stronghold is, whatever my struggle is, whatever my hang-up is, whatever my habit is, I have the ability to be free of it. But what do I got to do? I got to ask. I got to seek. I got to knock. I got to draw close. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, when He's inside of me, there's the ability for freedom. We all have hurts, hangups, and habits, the bondage and baggage that reigns over our lives. However, we need to be reminded that we have the victory through Christ Jesus because the Spirit of the Lord leads us to freedom. As I'm reminded by a powerful slogan in the kids' cartoon, Paw Patrol, no job too big. No paw too small. There you go. No job too big. There's nothing that's too big for God. He, he opened up. He opened up the waters. He moved mountains. What are you asking him to do? But what are you believing either he can do or he can't do? No job too big for him. As we know and we've heard in, in Scripture, all we need is faith the size of a mustard seed. Itty-bitty faith has the ability to move mountains in our lives. But what do those mountains look like? How big and conquering do they feel to you? Do you got an Everest on your back right now? But all it takes is a mustard seed of faith to believe that God can get that Everest off your back. We pray and fast on behalf of others. We can see in Acts 2 
that at the church at Antioch, there's a, a group of prophets and teachers gathered there. And they were living out things and they were talking, but we can be reminded of what it says in Matthew 18. All right, where it's, is that one up there? Where it says to you, say, again I say, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done to them in the Father, by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in his name, there I am among you. So when we pray, it's good to pray with groups. Corporate prayer as far as, as um, praise and prayer and Wednesday morning service prayer is good because people are corporately believing together, right? In, this, in the book of Acts here where this is going on, there's a group of teachers and prophets. And in Acts, it says, Acts 3, 2, it says, as they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after they fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them off. So we can pass, fast and pray for others, right? Barnabas and Saul were going off to do God's work, but yet everybody there came corporately to fast and pray for the benefits of the work that was going to be done, and then they sent them off. How many of us have friends, family, who are just not in good places? We can fast and pray for them. And if we don't want to, or we're, think about why. What's, what, what's the holdup? Because most of the time, it's, it's about humility with ourselves. The Bible says, pray for our enemies. And I don't believe they're enemies. But if, if, we're, if we're struggling and praying for somebody, honestly, think about why, what's the struggle? And where is, where is it at? We can fast and pray for people who are sent to do God's work. There's nothing easy about doing God's work. All right? If it be missionary work, if it be children's ministry work, if it be quest work, if it be being a secretary in this church, if it be being a street minister, whatever it may be, if you're doing what God's called you to do, not even a if you're doing what God's called you to do, it's difficult. Because the enemy doesn't want you doing what God's called you to do. All right? So we can be praying for people who are doing God's work all over the world. Anyone who is doing God's work needs prayer warriors behind them. And I'm glad I've got them. There are some faithful, faithful people here and all over the place who pray for the pastors and people who do ministry in this church. And we are tremendously grateful for the prayers that we know of and more importantly, the prayers that we don't know of that go up for us each and every day. One way we can do this is by putting, is by putting Ephesians 6.18 into action. All right? Prayer, pray always. Pray in the Spirit. Pray about everything in every way you know how. And keeping all this in mind, Pray on behalf of God's people. Keep on praying feverishly and to be on lookout until evil has been stayed. Right here, it tells us that we can pray for God's people. And it's important that we do. Especially when somebody's come to Christ for the very first time and then that new beginner walk. Right? Everything's going to come at them in a blur. They're going to be on fire, 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 and then the enemy's going to come in and he's just going to throw darts at them. But we can lift them up, and it's important that we do. We can be reminded that Scripture says pray without ceasing. Prayer is such a vital aspect 
for the success of God's kingdom, we have to do our part. Another benefit of praying and fasting for others is it takes our focus off us. I'm not saying it's important to put aside our own issues, okay? But when you're really, really dealing with your issues and they're beating you up, you can get rid of them for a little bit by praying for somebody else. It can give you a little break in that. We have to deal with our own battles, but we can also be praying for others amidst our own battles and our circumstances. So what are the benefits? If we're going to do something, we want to know what we get with it. Right? We want to know how it's going to be beneficial to us. We want to know how it's relevant. We want to know how it's applicable. We've talked about the what and the why, all right? But we got to know the benefits of it as well. The biggest benefit of prayer and fasting is drawing closer to God. It's no simpler than that. We can never have too much. We can't get enough. So drawing closer is the only answer. Listening to God and his spirit and being led down the path that he has for us. Drawing closer to God narrows and keeps our eyes focused on the target and brings clarity as we focus on God more. It's like shooting a rifle or a bow. Where you are focusing is clear and everything else is blurry and fuzzy. We need a clear picture of God. And by praying and fasting, we can gain that understanding. So how do we do it? Right? Well, this week... Hopefully, in the past week, you prayed the prayer that we talked about last week in Psalms 139 of Search My Heart, O Lord. But how do we do it? We're going to talk about how we're going to go through this whole process. And everybody's process is going to look different. There's not going to be two people who do the exact same thing, and that's okay. We need to do what God's direct us to do, and that's the most important thing. All right, I may use myself as an example a couple of times, just so there's something that you can relate with. All right, but the first thing I would ask you to do is ask God what you're supposed to fast. Right? What do you have for me to put aside to have more of you? Less of me, more of you. All right? Guess what? It could be Sunday afternoon football. <gasps> Fran, you're going to miss the Bills game today? God didn't tell me to. <laughs> right? All of us, he's going to meet us in a different place. But it's important we're obedient to the place that he has us to be. Okay? It's going to look different. So one of the things we got to do is one, see, ask, seek what we're supposed to be fasting. All right? In your RLC prayer guide, there are several different examples of what fasting could look like inside of your life. Okay? There is an explanation as to what a fast is, expectations for what it may be, um, how to go about it. Everybody's fast isn't going to look the same because there's some people who cannot fast food because of health reasons. And that's okay. All right, there are going to be certain days where I can't fast food, right, because of things that I have committed to, that I have to do, that I know God has for me to do. And I have to be physically be able to do that. All right. But there are several different examples. There's full fast. There's partial fast. There's three-day fast. There's Daniel fast where all you eat is fruits and vegetables. Right? What's God got for you? There's sun, sun up, the sun down fast. There's media fast. <gasps> exactly. No TikTok, no Instagram. <laughs> right? You gotta actually, we gotta see what God has for us to do. All right? 
But most importantly, we got to understand that we got to be doing what God has for us. Okay? I would like to remind you that the key here, though, is, okay, prayer and fasting are connected. When we fast, we're setting time aside. It's not I'm just going without. I'm setting time aside. When I would be doing that activity, that time has now become God's. If you just don't eat and you forget to pray or you don't pray, then all you're really doing is dieting. Really, right? There's a connection between prayer and fasting. I'm setting time, time aside, what God's telling me to set aside, and I'm bringing prayer into that time. They're connected, and we got to remember to do that. It's not just about going without food. we got to do what God's directed us. I would encourage you, everyone here, to look at the prayer and fasting guide and understand what it says. Right? But before we do that, there's something we have to understand. Okay? Matthew 6, 16 through 18 are a key part of fasting, which is in the Bible. All right? I'm using the message translation because this gives me a better visible, visible picture of what this is about. All right? For some of you, you may go, need to go to the NLT or the New King James or whatever. But I'm very picture-orientated. When, not if, not when I feel like, not if I have, when. We're directed to fat, pray and fast. There's not a commandment that says everything, but when Jesus says when, we can assume that there's an expectation of it. When you practice some appetite-denying discipline, prayer and fasting is what it's saying there, to better concentrate on God, don't make a production of it. It might turn you into a small-time celebrity, but it won't make you a saint. What it's saying here is, guess what? When you pray and fast, it's between you and God. It's not, oh, woe is me, I'm so hungry. Why are you hungry? I'm praying and fasting, you know. No, it's between me and God. And if you need to, for some of us, we got to have a couple good accountability partners in it as well. Right? Because I can definitely, like last week we talked about rationalization, right? I can rationalize anything. But if I got some good accountability partners in my life who say, hey, how's it going? This is what you gave up. What's going on? Are you making time for God? It holds me accountable as well. All right? If you go into training inwardly, act normal outwardly. Shampoo and comb your hair if you've got it. Brush your teeth. Wash your face. God doesn't require attention-getting devices. He won't overlook what you're doing. He'll reward you as well. This is telling us, this is about me, and this is about him, and the people we invite into that situation. No more, no less. It's not a show. It's not going on the gram and saying, I'm fasting, and having a plate with nothing on it. All right? Look, everybody's laughing because they know it's real. It's the world we live in. It's, it's sad, and we live in it. And pray for those people. We can pray for others. But it's out there. So we really, really got to understand this. That, and I would, like I said, I would encourage you to look at it in, in the New King James and in the NLT because it's not as picturesque. But for me, I need this. I, 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 this is what holds me accountable. Plain and simple, prayer and fasting between us and God. God knows we're doing it, 
because we've consulted him in the first place, and there's no need to bring attention to ourselves. We should humbly approach the throne of grace. This is not about us. It's about God and what he will reveal to us when we trust him, grow closer to him through this consecrated time. So what should this look like or what could this possibly look like? One, you got to ask God what he's asking you to fast. You got to know what it is. Not only do you got to know what it is, but you got to know the time that he's told you to do it. All right? So for me, example, I already get up in the morning and I read my Bible. I have devotional time in the— not that I'm a saint. Believe me, that's not what I'm saying. I already have devotional time in the morning. So if I say I'm going to pray and fast in the morning, I haven't made any extra time for God. So I've got to find a different time to be able to do this, okay? And he's directing me to what I'm supposed to do with self. So we have to know, one, what we're supposed to fast, and two, where we're going to make time for him, all right? Not schedule him, all right? Now, there may be times along your day that this is where it works, but be open to the Spirit, all right? Don't say, oh, I'm going to give him 10 minutes here. I'm going to schedule him in. Make time for him, all right? Because he makes time for you. He will open when we knock. When we're setting time aside, we need to know how much time that is. I would encourage you all, whatever way you, you do it, if it be through this, okay? We would like everybody who is in the body here to use the RLC prayer and devotional guide, all right? Some places where you can receive this. One, the PDF version like this that you can print if you're a paper person, it's right on the RLC website. Right on the front page, it's right there. It says, 20, or it says 21 days of prayer and fasting. You can click on it. You can download it. You can print it. If that's not for you, all right, every morning, starting tomorrow morning at 5.30, if you have the church app, it's going to come like you get your, your announcements. It'll be there at 5.30 in the morning. You'll be able to engage with it that way. If that doesn't work with you because you don't have the church app and you're an Instagram person, it'll be on Instagram as well, on our feed there. And it'll also be on our Facebook page. So you have four different ways to engage with it, okay? Because we wanted to make it available for everybody in whatever the way they may need it, all right? But I would encourage, the other thing I would encourage you to do, when you sit down and you begin this and you set that time aside, have your Bible with you. And have a notebook with you or a journal, right? Because as you go through it, God's going to reveal things to us, all right? He's going to reveal things to us. And we'll have them up there until something distracts us and then we'll lose, we'll lose focus on them. But as he gives us information, we can just write it down and then we've got it for as long as we have it or as long as we need it, all right? So this is an example of what it's going to look like all right, this is tomorrow's, matter of fact. All right, so each day there's going to be a theme. All right, so tomorrow's theme is the heart of God. All right, there's a scripture that goes along with it. And then there's a prayer to pray. Now you look at that and you're like, I can read that in three minutes. This is easy. You're right. It could be if you're just going to read it. All right, but if you're going to read it and you're going to apply it and you're going to meditate on it, then it's going to go back to that, do we like microwave popcorn or we like kettle cooked popcorn? Which one's better, right? Think about this. You got a crock pot. You put everything in. You don't pull it out in five minutes. You, let, you put that thing on, cook for eight hours, and when it's done, all the flavor, all the juiciness, all the goodness comes out of it. The more time we spend with this, 
the better understanding we're going to get of it. So that's why I ask you to have that notebook there, right? You read the heart of God. I'm going to pray just the heart of God. What's that mean to me before I even get into the scripture? What's the heart of God mean? And what he shows me, I'm going to write down. Then I'm going to read the scripture, and I may look at it the first time in whole, and then the next time I may look at each individual word and understand what each individual word sends me, and then look at it as a whole again. And then look at the prayer that's there and pray it, and then go through the prayer. Then what I might do, all right, is then go back to Psalms 139. After I've done this, oh God, search my heart again. Show me my anxious thoughts. Lead me the path to everlasting. Right? But we can also do is something that's very, very familiar to us as well. Okay? Is pray Matthew 6, 9. And you're like, Matthew 6, 9. <laughs> Y'all know what it is. Majority of you. Right? So I'm going to ask that we stand up to our feet and we all say it together. Right? It's the Lord's Prayer. All right? It's not going to be a repeat after me thing. I just want us all to say it in unison together. I'll start. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. You can have a seat. If you get through the devotional really quickly, start breaking that sucker down. You'll get a whole different understanding when you look at that one word by word and you start investigating what each word means. And we pray that every single day. Our Father in heaven, who is he? What does he mean to me? Hallowed be your name. What's his name mean to me? Your kingdom come. What does that look like? We start analyzing, going through, searching through scriptures, what that means. You're going to draw so close to God that you, there's no denying it when you see his greatness and you see his goodness. The one reason, the most important reason that we're doing pray and fasting is to draw closer to God as an individual as a, and as a congregation to get a refreshed start to the new year. I would also encourage you to be praying about what your part is here at RLC. If God's placed you in this body, then he has a fit for you and he has a function. And when you get your fit and you get your function, you're going to flourish. God only has for us to go from glory to glory. Right? There's, there, there, he doesn't design for us to go backwards. Is there hiccups along the way? Is there valleys and mountaintops? For sure there is. But he wants us to be where he's got for us to be, doing what he's got for us to do so that we can be for who, who he's got for us to be. So there's several of us who've been in ministry for years here. If it be children's ministry, parking lot ministry, soundboard ministry. Thank you, John. John's going, me up here, yes. Right? What's your fit? What's God got for you to do here? And if you've been in that ministry for an awful long time, does he have something different for you to do? Or does he have things to you bring that ministry to make it even better than it is. Right? He doesn't want us to go through the motions. If he says that we're going to go from glory to glory, then our ministry should be going from excellence to excellence to excellence. I didn't say perfect. But we should always be striving to do the best we can for God.
I would encourage you to ask yourself deeply, what's my role here? Is there more for me to do? Am I doing what you have for me to do the best of my ability with the strengths that you've given me? We need to remember that all things are possible through God, and God will never give us more that we can handle. You know, in, in Hebrews 4, 6, and it's not going to be on the screen, in the Amplified, which is the very wordy version, right, but it gives it good, good understanding. It says, let us then fearlessly and confidently boldly draw near to the throne of grace, the throne of God's unmerited favor to us sinners, that we may receive mercy for our failures and find grace to help in good time for every need. Appropriate help, well-timed help, coming just when we need it. When we come before God, he gives us what we need. If you're here this morning and you're battling with inner condemnation, if you're battling with hurts and hang-ups and habits, if you want freedom, I would ask you to boldly approach the throne of grace. If you're struggling today, I want you to humble yourself. I want you to be courageous, and I want you to come give all that to God before we start tomorrow. Because there's nothing good about having all this stuff packed on top of us as we're trying to go into a new beginning. So, Ask yourself, am I struggling? Do I need to come to the front? Do I need prayer for a hurt, hang-up, or something that I'm dealing with? Do I need sin washed away? And I'll give you a second to make your way up here. There's nothing about easy about getting up from your seat and coming to the front. But humbly coming before God to the throne of grace and the throne of mercy is the most important thing we can do as we step into this new season of our lives. So I'm just going to pray. If everybody just pray and agree, man, you can raise your hands and, and raise your, extend your faith towards these, these people who are bold. Lord, dear Lord, we just thank you. I thank you for every person who, who humbly comes before you this morning, Lord, and doesn't want what they have but only wants what you have for them to get, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you be in their midst, Lord, that you give them strength in times where they feel weak, that you give them courage to cut off things that they need to cut off, Lord, that they abide in you, Lord, and they follow your ways. Lord, when they are weary and tired, Lord, that you can give them rest, Lord. I ask right now, Lord, that chains be broken in the name of Jesus Christ by the blood that was shed on the cross, Lord, that addictions be broken, Lord, that thought patterns be broken, Lord, Lord, that you have your mercy and grace at hand on each one of these individuals, Lord. That they are reminded each and every day, Lord, because they ask for forgiveness and repentance, Lord, that their sin is washed away as far as the east is from the west, Lord. And that as they walk away from here, Lord, they are new, they're fresh, and they're clean, Lord. And that their new beginning starts right now. We ask all this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. So there's nothing easy about approaching God. But when we do, we can be new. All right? So if you're here today and you've never given your life to the Lord, 
That's the best start that there is. That's the best start that there is. So we're just going to pray for those at home, for those here who may have never done that. We're just going to pray together that God can turn our lives around. So if you just please repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. I recognize my need for forgiveness. And I surrender my life to you today. I accept Jesus into my heart as Lord and Savior. Please show me your path for my life. Help me become the person you want me to be. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. So there might not be anybody here who accepted Jesus as, as the first time. And there's reasons we do this, right? We don't know who's ever going to watch this video. There could be somebody who out there just flipping through YouTube, searching for something. And if we didn't give them that opportunity, then where would we be? It could just be as simple as that. So it may seem like it's a really, really repetitive act each and every week. But if it's done for one, that's the most important thing. So if you just stand, we're going to pray before we release. Dear Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord. We thank you for the week that's ahead, Lord. We come to it with expectation, Lord. We are coming to you, Lord. We're going to spend more time with you, Lord. We're going to get to know you better. We're going to draw you close, Lord. When we draw you close, Lord, you're going to be near. Lord, we thank you for what you're going to do, the battles that are going to be won. We thank you for the victory that we're going to have. We thank you for the understanding and perspective that's going to be gained for us. As we leave here, Lord, we just ask that you provide us with safety, that you provide us with wisdom and guidance, Lord, because we know the, the enemy is real, and we know the attack's going to come, Lord but we can come to you and we've got the victory. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be reminded that if you struggle with things, right, we've got Journey of Recovery, which is for your hurts, hangups, and habits, all right? We've got Praise and Prayer, which happens once a month, and we've got Wednesday Prayer. There's plenty of opportunities around, and you can always put a prayer request in on the website, and you can always reach out to the pastors here, all right? Have a great week, and we look forward to what God's going to do. You're dismissed.